0: One year ago, we explored the period in Superman history from 1986 to 1993 in our series Crisis Till Death. Now, the podcast returns to the Triangle Era as we survey the post-death and rain landscape in comics, toys, video games, and television. This is Death Till Wedding, a new seven-part epic covering 1993 through 1996. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This is Death Till Wedding, Part 4. And joining me to discuss the 1994 video game, The Death and Return of Superman, is returning guest and video game expert, Jeremy Frutkin. Welcome back.
1: Anthony, other podcasts are 8-bit, but here at Digging for Kryptonite, we're the full 16, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Good to be here with you again, my friend, as always.
0: I love it. I wish I knew more of what you just said, but that leads me to a great point for our audience here. I think we have all bases covered. So I will sort of be the voice of the uninitiated. I'm not a gamer. Video games were a part of my childhood, but only a small part. And I really haven't played video games in 20 years until my preparation for this episode. You, on the other hand, you play video games, you write about video games. So if you're into video games, I think Jeremy has the expertise and the knowledge that, that you'll latch onto. And if you are the uninitiated, I can sort of represent that perspective. So wherever you fall on the video game range, I think this episode will have you covered. As you know, as the audience knows, I'm always excited. I'm always excited for these episodes. This one, this one is particularly special because this does represent something near and dear to my heart uh, from, 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 my, from my early years. And we'll get into all of that. But first want to congratulate you because the last time, since the last time you were on the show, a couple of major developments, you and your wife and your daughter welcomed a new addition to the family.
1: We certainly did. We have a baby boy, Winston, who's uh, who's doing well and is happy and healthy. So, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of changes. You know, there's going to be a day and a time where I replay and look back on all these episodes, especially over the past year. And the amount of changes that I've uh, been recorded at the kind of the beginning of our episodes when we're catching up has been truly remarkable. remarkable. It's great that both you and just as important, our whole community has kind of gotten this little uh, peek in and check in with me over these months and over the course of this year to see moving to a new state, a new house, now a new new baby. It's um, it's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Definitely exciting times in my life.
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm so happy for you and your family. And I agree. It's it's really cool to have this record of the time I, you know i mean for myself as well but i even think back more to the beginning of my my podcasting journey with my comic shop history where from where i started there you know it was a couple of moves ago uh, i was recently engaged at that point but not married didn't have a didn't have a child like so much so much Just has changed know. and you know through it all we, we talk we talk about these things that we're passionate about so congratulations on the new addition to the family and also congratulations on the new job which is actually actually ties into what we're going to be talking about to an extent.
1: Oh, if, if talk about more changes, right? I think we were done there with just the the new the new child, the new son in my life. No, there's still more, still more changing, all new, all different. Some might say, um, yeah. So perfect timing. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, I don't know what what you believe in, whoever you're listening there, but the the timing, the universe, the cosmos, whatever you want to call it, really makes you wonder because as big of a video game fan as I am, for the first time in ten years, uh, some of you probably remember, I'm a teacher and educator by trade. My full time job is actually. Now, uh, a marriage of education and video games which is super cool. I'm currently working uh, down in Manhattan with Concord Education where I wrote their introduction to esports course and their introduction to game development courses and we're we're partnering with schools trying to get a bunch of their after school programs running for all sorts of different courses and classes across the board, academic help, academic support, student recovery and super fun stuff whether it's video gaming. We bring in professional video game players, esport players to coach people on super Super Smash Brothers, Overwatch, Pokemon, uh, Rocket League, all these games. And um, it's really fun. We even have an anime and Dungeon and Dragons Club. It's um, it's really cool to see these students and communities get excited and uh, just getting people excited about learning. It's a pretty cool thing.
0: I love to hear it. Congratulations on everything and happy to have you back on the show. It's been a little while since we did our Super Friends episode, which was a lot of fun yes. and well-received. And there might be some follow-ups to that down the line. We'll talk off mic. So. Wink, wink. Let's dive into the Death and Return of Superman video game, which I played on Super Nintendo when I was a kid. Now, the all of the other episodes in this event that we're doing here, Death to a Wedding, they they all deal with the comics of the post-Reign of the Superman era. But when we do these events, I do like to take a look, at least for an episode, at what else was going on beyond the comics. And in the first part of our of our event, we did talk about the Kenner Man of Steel. Uh, action figure line Uh, and so now we're devoting an episode to this video game and this is a first for the podcast we've never done an episode (laughs) on a video game which I don't know might speak to my taste or might speak more to the sorry state of Superman video games Maybe oh, we'll, we'll, answer.
1: we'll We'll talk about that. Yes, we'll definitely you're on to something. But yes,
0: I, I think that'll be my last question for you. I think we're, we're going to end on on the question of whether or not this is the greatest Superman video game of all time and whether that's a testament to this game or a sorry indictment of Superman video games or a little bit of both. And um, that's what we're, we're going to end on.
1: <laughs> I, perfect. That will be the perfect end. Love it.
0: So so much to talk about. I, I really I've been looking forward to this so, so much. Let me let me read a, a question from one of my patrons, because this will kind of tee up a lot of, I think, what we're going to talk about. So this is from Brian. Brian says, I remember this being such a hard game. My oldest daughter remembers playing it with me before Sega went the way of the Dodo. Did you ever beat the game? My daughter watched one of the playthroughs on YouTube just to see how the game ends. Have you ever watched a playthrough? So I say to Brian and to the audience, you know, this is digging for kryptonite. This is an amateur hour. I'm not going to come on here to talk about a video game, not having beaten it. Of my course man. I beat this game two times, baby. I just beat I, it a second time before we signed man. on for this.
1: Let's go. Did you hear that? Not once, but twice. You know, Anthony, you set it up way, way, way too, too kind to me by calling me the quote unquote video game expert. When really at the end of the day, you're the one who beat it twice, not me. So I'm super excited to hear about your journey and your commitment and your little updates you've been giving me as you've been playing really have just made my day. It's just, I, you love to see it.
0: Now, I know I talk a big game there, no pun intended, but the only way I was able to beat this, and I did ask for your blessing first, I, I won't lie, was with cheat codes. It was the only way. I, I sat down to play this, and I was like, I'm just going to do this. Like, I never beat it as a kid, but I'm going to make it happen now. I'm older. I have more focus, hand-eye coordination, whatever. Whatever it takes to beat this game. It's like, I, I'm going to do this. I'm motivated. I'm doing an episode on this. I can, I can accomplish this. And I got through level one with no cheat codes. And I was like, boom, here we go. That's right. Baby. I got into level two and I made it all the way to Doomsday. And I beat Doomsday. And I'm like, all right. I had, I don't know what. I was on my last life and my health bar was like halfway there. And I was like, all right, I did it. And then it turned out I was only halfway through the level. Mm
1: -hmm. And it was
0: at that point that I realized there is no way in hell I am beating this game without cheat codes. And so I reached out to you and you were very kind and you encouraged me. And so I did use infinite lives and infinite special attacks. And with that, yes, you didn't
1: use invincibility.
0: I didn't use invincibility. Which
1: I think is a completely reasonable and fair compromise. I think that's completely fair.
0: My feeling was I wanted to get through the game. Like, I just, I wanted to frigging play this thing finally, all the way Mm -hmm. through. I I mean, I'll talk about my experience as a kid, but I, you know, at the time, I don't know, maybe I made it to level three or four. I mean, like this for my whole life, my whole life. I'm like, how does this game end? (laughs) So I I knew I I had to do this, Uh, but I wanted to like... So I wanted to get through, but I wanted to preserve as much of the authentic experience as possible. And so I figured, well, infinite lives means I'm still getting hit. I'm still taking damage. Right. My health That's bar right. is going down. I'm still dying. It's just that when I lose all of my lives, I don't have to restart. I don't have unlimited time. So it's like, I, I, I need to I need to make up a little bit of time here. And so that that allowed me to do it and... Boy, what an experience. I did it twice. I've played the entire game all the way through two times. Now, again, there's so much to get through here. But, uh, for, but for you, did, now, were you able to actually play it and play it all the way through? Did you watch a game through, a playthrough? through? Yes. What did you so
1: do? what I did is I, using the completely legal methods of emulation, which you can delete 24 hours later, I made sure I did everything the legal and above board way. I basically played for a while on my own and then did the same exact thing as you and entered in those codes because guess what, folks? We are both parents. We are in our mid-30s. We are very, very busy people. And not to get too much in the weeds here, I'm trying not to come. Completely bored. Uh, a good percentage of our audience by getting too technical in the weeds here, but the, what you did is basically create a modern accessibility, and that's what it all comes down to: is that video game should be accessible, right? This game and many of these games of this time from our childhoods in the 80s until I'd say about the mid-90s lack accessibility in the modern features we have like checkpointing, right? Where you're able to have a save point midway through so you don't have to beat the game in one sitting with your lives and your health bar as you get them, which I think is, you know, what you did to me is a completely reasonable uh, request because you just kind of brought more modern standards conceptions into this game right because our time is valuable we should be able to save and put it down and not have to sit there and do it all in one go i mean it's just it's not going to happen so i you know very much after playing around followed your lead on that one and i'll also throw this in too for anybody who's listening they're gonna and our age and even if they're not huge gamers i'm willing to bet the majority of our audience will have an experience with what i'm about to say which i love about gamers and just people our age in general We grew up in a time with video games where developers legitimately, for better or for worse, and there are arguments to be made on both sides, did not care about how difficult games were, even games, sometimes especially games, marketed towards children. Those of you, and listen, I want all of you who are listening right now to, when you're done, you can even pause after I say this, go on the Facebook page, go on Digging for Kryptonite's Twitter, come at me, j.remy on Twitter. If you experienced this, I want to hear it. If you played the Lion King game or Aladdin from this era on both the Super NES and the Genesis, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because, Anthony, to this day, those games are still favored by modern speedrunners because being able to beat that game and beat it quickly is such an impressive feat that people marvel at it. And still to this day, it's, those games are so difficult And, you know, you're a kid, same thing with this. You know, it's the death of Superman. It's this huge, epic, once-in-a-lifetime event. You want to be involved in any way you can. You're a kid and you play it and you're dead in 20 minutes. So it's just, and again, there's the whole thing where where you had to practice and take your time and get good. And yeah, on average, as kids, certainly we had more times to get good, as they say, and uh, keep practicing. But also how many people just gave up and never finished this game and never finished Aladdin and never finished Lion King. If anybody's listening has other ones, and I'm sure there are many other licensed games that are exactly the way I'm talking about, let us know, because it's a phenomenon that I've always been fascinated with.
0: I appreciate getting that perspective and, and hearing you lay all of that out. And, you know, when I reached out to you and you gave me the feedback that you did, it, it made me feel better because, you know, I went into this thinking like, you know, I'm, I'm not a gamer. I'm not good at this. This doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. So, you know, when I couldn't even get through that second level, I was like, well, maybe this is just a me problem. No. Uh, you know, so that's the thing, hearing from you and then also, you know, hearing from our patron, Brian also, uh, Bernie, who was on the, the part one of death to wedding off mic, he and I were talking about this. Cause I was like, Oh, this is one of the upcoming episodes. And, like the first thing he said was like, Oh my God, that game was so hard. There so you go, Bernie,
1: that's exactly right.
0: So, you know, that definitely made me feel better about all of this. So we'll break it all down. I, I will say big picture again, this game, it game came out. Uh, for Super Nintendo, and also for Sega Genesis. Uh, From the little research I did, it seems like it came out first on Super Nintendo in 94, and then I saw 95 for Sega.
1: That is looking to be correct based on what I saw as well, too. I have some other interesting background information. Yep, I just double confirmed it with my notes here. That is Super NES in 1994, Sega Genesis in 1995. Beautiful.
0: And so this is the Death and Return of Superman video game by Sunsoft. And just my big picture takeaway i really love this game uh, again and I, i'm not a gamer and i know it's funny because i know video games have evolved so much in terms of graphics and playability and storylines and they're so much more sophisticated but you know in my heart and my head when i think of what a video game is it's this side scrolling beat em up arcade style video game like that's what Look i got you using
1: genre terms anthony Using those correct genre terms. You're exactly right. That's exactly it.
0: So thank you. W- Wikipedia helped a little bit. Look, once again, we're talking about <laughs> Wikipedia. Just as a side note, man, when we did our Super Friends episode, you know, we talked, we joked a lot about Wikipedia and then afterwards it turned out they had let us down. There was a, a relevant episode that I Wikipedia know. didn't didn't uh, dial us into and I had to do a little insert into the episode. It all worked
1: it's, out. As an educator, I'm constantly telling people never to use Wikipedia uh, as the source. And it's one of those do as I say, not as I do scenarios, right?
0: So it goes. But this was a surprisingly faithful telling yes. of the death and return of Superman. It follows very closely the storyline from the comics, from Superman's initial battle with the Underworlders yeah, through his his battle with Doomsday and his defeat through his that, resurrection. That's
1: cool. Closter, right? Closter and his army.
0: Cla- yeah. Closter. Yeah. And, um, Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say certain aspects of the storyline are, are omitted. We don't get the justice league. For example, we don't get green lantern. We don't get mongol, though. we do get the, the war world spaceship and, and the war worlders. They're some of the, yeah. the villains that you have to fight along all the way through, but you get to play this game over the course of 10 levels as Superman Eradicator, Cyborg, Steel, and Superboy. This is as much as it's called the Death and Return of Superman, Amazing. and that's that's an apt title, you could call this the Reign of the Superman game. I mean, they get a lot of play. And here's the thing that I want to say, especially with everything that I've been looking at over the course of doing this podcast, and and of course you know and the audience knows how much that the death and return storyline means to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: With the exception of the recent uh, animated movies, The Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman, which did give a, a quite faithful retelling of the comic book storyline. Whenever aspects of this storyline are adapted, usually you don't get the Reign of the Superman component. You don't get the four replacement supermen.
1: Uh-huh. They're
0: usually sacrificed. And a lot of times it has to do with, you know, there's just not as, there's not enough time. There's not enough real estate in the story to get into all of that. But I was thinking about it. It's like this is one of the few examples <laughs> like where you really got to see that and you got to play as all of those characters. There are a couple of things I wish we could have played as. Well, I'll talk about that. But overall, this was a, 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 a very pleasantly surprisingly faithful <laughs> recreation of the comic book storyline. Like I was kind of blown away.
1: I was floored. I was floored. I really and truly was. I tried to remove all bias, either negative or positive aside, as I always try to do when we're, we're, uh, you know, we're such a nostalgia-centric uh, business that we're in here. I always try to look at this impartially, but you know, I, let me start by saying this. The game, I think, is absolutely beautiful. I think the art is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, The music does a great job, a serviceable job as well, too. So the presentation, I think, is still holds up and is still dynamite. I really do, especially considering the time period in which it came in. I think it's wonderful. And I thought that was going to be my biggest takeaway going in. However, my biggest takeaway is exactly, perhaps unsurprisingly, what you just said. This game was not made for a quick, cheap, and easy buck. This game was made by people who not only knew the source material, but I think it's fairly safe to say had at least some reverence or respect, if not a love for it. And it really, really comes through by being so faithful and even using the hardware limitations at the time to be able to produce something. Now, I'm going to use that as this little nugget that I've been dying, dying to get out here. Now, they This game was, as you so wonderfully said, developed by Sunsoft, who I'll always remember uh, for their, their little bat logo, who I believe had a platform game of his own too. I'm sure somebody will uh, mention in the comics. I want to say it's Arrow the Acrobat. See if I'm right later. So Sunsoft did develop it, but they weren't the only developers, Anthony. One of the other co-developers, I don't know if you came across this, was Blizzard Entertainment. Did I, you happen
0: to see that? I, yes, I did notice that when the, when the game loaded.
1: Now, to most people, maybe a lot of people that might mean, might not mean much, but everybody who's like a real video game fan just heard me say blizzard entertainment and just went, are you kidding me? Blizzard entertainment had a part in making this game. Anthony, even as a non-gamer, I could sit here and, and talk about blizzard. All I need to tell you is that they've made one of the, they went on a short few years after this, a very short few years after this, actually in 1995, and on, I think, is when development and everything got kicked off with this. They created one of the biggest video game franchises of all time, a game I'm sure you have heard of, even as a non-gamer, World of Warcraft.
0: Oh, that's, that's, ah. I, How about that? I know World of Warcraft, but I I did yeah. not know the connection. Fascinating.
1: So- Yep, and uh, they have so many other games that are just excellent. Uh, Diablo Overwatch is actually, so one of the games they make is an eSport game that uh, my new job services uh, as well too. And um, they actually just recently uh, got purchased by Microsoft and a huge acquisition. And they're one of the biggest forces out there in video games, but the people in a snapshot who made this game would then also go on later to have a hand in making world of warcraft and when you see that level of care and love and detail and professionalism it really truly makes sense i saw that and i just the light bulb went off and i just was grinning ear to ear and uh it's just it's really really cool to see that and uh this game was made by love and by professionals and it still definitely shows
0: well thank you i mean that's i you know one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on for this because you can bring a lot of knowledge and insight to this that I wouldn't necessarily have so you mentioned the graphics and and I guess that leads me to my next major section here about our video game histories because like I said video games were not a huge part of my childhood but they but they were a part so I was born in 87 I remember being in like kindergarten and first grade and being over friends houses and they had a Nintendo like I remember playing Duck Hunt at, at at friends' houses. I never Classic. I never had a Nintendo. And I was trying to think about this. I can't specifically remember my parents not wanting to get me a video game system, but it would track if they did because as I've talked about on the show, my parents, my mother in particular, like was not a fan of me reading comics, right? She thought it would would hurt my schoolwork. And eventually we got past that, but it, it took a long time. Now. Look at us now. Uh, exactly. But I would imagine she probably felt similarly about video games, I would think. So I never had a Nintendo. Again, I remember playing it at friends' houses, but at the same... I was really thinking about this. At the same time, I don't remember... It wasn't like everyone in my class had it. I just remember a couple of instances of playing it. In any event, I finally got my first video game system, and it was Super Nintendo, and I got it Christmas 1994. We were in our, our old apartment, the first place I ever lived on, East Hartsdale Avenue in Hartsdale, and I remember because we we would later move to the house that I spent most of my time in uh, that spring when I turned eight in 1995. So winter, 94, Christmas, I get the Super Nintendo. My first game was the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game.
1: Of course it was, Anthony.
0: Of course. Of, if it wasn't
1: going to be this one, it was going to be that one. Of course it was.
0: Of course. And I hope that our audience is checking out my current Power Rangers podcast series, Summoning the Zord. So if you want more Power Rangers talk, Woo. you can go over there. In any event. Go get
1: it. Go get it.
0: So, when I think about my time playing Super Nintendo, and that was the system that I had the most games for, and that I spent the most time on, that Power Rangers game and the movie game from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, that was big for me as well, as was Mega Man. Mega Man X.
1: That's awesome. Very cool.
0: I was big into Mega Man X. And, you know, I had, you know, I had, uh, like, Super Mario Brothers. Like, I had all that stuff, and I liked it a, a lot. But the Power Rangers and Mega Man and the death and return of Superman game like that was that was really it for me the death game it's funny I I have this memory so my father's family is from Rochester and like we would usually take a yearly trip up there and I remember and I had younger cousins and I I think one of them must have had I have this memory of playing the game up in Rochester and I'm almost positive it was before I got it And actually, you know what? That tracks because I think the date that I saw for this game was August 94 for Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Like if I, you know, we did a summer trip or something like that and I played it up there and then I got it that Christmas, something like that. I I might be jumbling this, but that's as best as I can recall. And anyway, I I had Super Nintendo. I had a ton of games for it. Eventually, I did graduate to a PlayStation. This is going to shock you and the audience because I... I'm not a sports fan now at all, but...
1: I'm already shocked that you owned a Super NES and a PlayStation. <laughs> I'm loving this. Keep it
0: going. Wait till I talk about the PS2, baby.
1: <laughs> one of the greats. One of the greatest systems of all time right there. Both of them. SNES and PS2.
0: But I had like, I had a lot of... It was the NBA All-Star game. I think that's what it was called or something like that. So I had a bunch of basketball games for the PlayStation. And it's. I, I'm, I'm surprising even myself as I'm saying this, but I was really into... Uh, skateboarding and and uh, snowboarding games. I had all like the Tony Hawk stuff and and all that.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Tony Hawk is so. Those games are so important for two main reasons. One, because they are so much fun and impressive to play, and two, they gave us all of our taste in music because the soundtracks in those games are on. Believable. Talk about licensed music. Nobody else, except for maybe Grand Theft Auto has better license, use of licensed music in their games. Their playlists are just like a love letter to the nineties and uh, some absolute bangers in that game. Great choices. Now the snowboarding, do you remember what you're playing? Was it SSX? Was it tricky? Was it a uh, SSX? Yeah. There you go. That's a great one. Yep.
0: Yep. I, I mean, I remember them very fondly and it was sort of like Law of Diminishing Returns. Like, I had the most games for Super Nintendo, then a decent amount for PlayStation, and then I eventually did get a PS2. I think I only ended up with maybe a handful of games for that, including, I think it was a Spider-Man 2 movie game, Yeah, I, I want to say. Uh, but mostly at that point, I was using it as a, I think it was a Blu-ray player, right? The PS2?
1: So, I'd have to double check. I know Blu-ray capability and what makes sense, I can just double check if you want. Let's see, PS2, Blu-ray, player. Let's see what happens. Do, do, do. So it says PS2 doesn't support Blu-ray discs, but it was able to support different kinds of digital video output ranging from MP4, MOV. So, no. They're saying no, but it did have a bunch of different uh, video settings that looks like past standard DVD.
0: I mean, maybe it was just a DVD player. But in any of... I remember just playing movies on it. So whether it was DVD or Blu-ray, that was largely how I used it. So, again, at that point, I was kind of getting out of the the video game scene. But those were the three systems that I had and that I played. But Super Nintendo was really the height of it. And the Death and Return of Superman game in particular really stands out for, for the obvious reasons, but going back to what you were saying earlier about the, the inability to save,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I remember there was a day and I, I feel like, cause I was with my, we were at my house, but I was with my grandparents. I feel like it was probably a day I was off from school or I had a half day or something like that. And my parents were at work and they were there with me. And I remember playing the game and getting, further in the game look all these years like decades later and I still remember this I know you know the feeling <laughs> I, I remember getting further in the game than I ever had before and it wasn't that far into the game mind you but it was beyond what I had gotten to before it was I think I was playing as as the eradicator it's probably like level three it was or right, level four right. it was not it was not that far into the game but it, it was beyond where I had gone before and I remember I don't know I had to I had to stop it to go have lunch or to go out or something. And you couldn't, right? I'm not misremembering this. Like you couldn't save.
1: No, 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 no. Not by any like, uh, now if you use an emulator, you can use Uh, For anybody who's still gaming, especially on Nintendo platforms, you might notice on Nintendo Switch Online, they have a bunch of these retro games from like the 80s and 90s. What's nice is, and they're kind of giving you permission just like I did, quote unquote, is these things have fast forward, rewind, and uh, safe state modes built in. So you can create safe states wherever you want because a lot of those games just didn't have them.
0: So that was the thing, I guess I remember that moment, I think it was hard enough to get to that point and then it was so crushing to have to just let it all go to get on with my day and I don't know that I ever really went back to it after that point and eventually, sure. I remember I gave, I gave my Super Nintendo and all my games to Bill Mayo from Alternate Realities who's been on the show before one of my buddies from the comic shop. I remember I was like, I think this was, I mean this wasn't all that long ago, maybe 2014 or so when my parents were selling my childhood home and I was like, listen, what am I going to do with these? I was like, do, do you want to play them? And he took them flash forward to now when I want to do this episode and I reached out to Bill and I was like, Hey, like if you still have it, I would love to borrow it so that I can play it for this episode. And unfortunately he, he, he didn't have it any longer. He's gone through moves and, and, and various things and he didn't have it. Anymore. And all
1: that goes, yep
0: You know, that, that's, that's how it goes. Uh, so I, I too did, utilize an uh, emulator if if there were another way to do it i happily would i actually believe it or not i bought that um the mini super nintendo the classic super yeah, nintendo yes, classic yeah which comes preloaded with, with like a couple dozen games not death and return of superman i wish it did or i wish there was a way it's through the, nintendo the one, to add to it
1: it gets so tough that's been one of the complaints about these um retro kind of mini classics, you know, there's been, a, a an NES, a super NES, a Genesis, a PlayStation, you get a lot of the first party stuff, but it's so hard to get this licensing stuff because those deals for anything outside of kind of their in-house umbrella has expired years and years ago. And so it's tricky. I do. I wish we're missing out on so many games. You know, I'm um, one of the other things of video games that's big is games preservation as this has been around for a few decades now and trying to make sure that these games just don't stay lost. So that's a, uh, definitely a very, a very real problem you're hitting on there.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And so I'm grateful for the emulator that allowed me to to play this. And one perk of that, like you were getting at, is that you can save, although I didn't really need to. I basically did this, again, using cheat codes, and <laughs> basically did this uh, in in one or two sittings. And actually, when I replayed it today, I did it in one sitting, and it took, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half or so.
1: It's pro gamer hours. Pro gamer hours, Anthony, that's you.
0: I, I suppose. So anyway, that's a long-winded way of sharing you know, my video game history and kind of where I'm coming from and, and what this game meant meant to me. I mean, certainly as a Superman fan, as someone who got into comics with the death of Superman, like this, you know, th- this was huge, but this weird, unfinished part of my video game history until now, right? And and to, to Brian's question, our, our patron, yeah, I did recently come across these, these playthroughs on YouTube and that, that was cool. And before the cheat codes, I thought that might be as far as I got. I was like, well, and that's why, because I, I, you know, decided to do this episode. I was like, well, if nothing else, I can watch a playthrough, even if I'm unable mm-hmm. to do it myself. But I'm glad sure. that I was able to do it. I had a lot of fun. And I have to say that using those cheat codes, yeah, it it allowed me to have fun. Like, I wasn't stressed playing it. Because, you know, before, when I first started it was, oh, my God, like, I, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to start again. And it was, it was stressful. And this really just allowed me to have fun with it. So I'm a big proponent of the cheat codes. If anyone is like, oh, I kind of thinking about it, do it. It's, it's so much fun.
1: What, what are the other uh, big tenets of gaming aside from game preservation has been accessibility. Uh, and that's been a continuing advancement and debate and what still needs to be done. Uh, anybody who's you know, talking about video games or read any of my writing or, or anything of that matter knows that um, almost to uh, uh, ad nauseum, my, my catchphrase is that gaming is for everyone, right? You don't need to be a pro, pro gamer. Video games are for everyone, and they should be able to be enjoyed and played by anyone there are plenty of people who say well you just have to spend the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours it takes to get good they're allowed to have their opinion however i think everybody should have the option to enjoy a video game based on their abilities based on where they're at in their life and any other of number of factors and um that really is. I'm so happy you got to have this wonderful experience that you wouldn't have had otherwise. I actually think that's pretty cool and pretty special.
0: Yeah, I, that's the, and I know I messaged this to you, but I felt like I was seven again. And yeah,
1: oh, it made for, me so happy. You know, for that.
0: anyone listening to this, you know, if you're not a gamer, if you have no connection to this video game, that's totally fine. But I'm sure there's something. You know, like I'm sure there's something out there that you do have that connection with. And that's what I experienced with this. Like I just it took me right back. Uh, it, was, it was really special, and I'm glad that, that I, I took the time to do this and that we're talking about it now. Let's take a real quick commercial break, and then we'll, we'll dive into this more. We'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available they pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, Hang On To Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In The Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. All Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit Comics.com and follow All Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Oh yeah. And we're back. So, Jeremy, for you, did you play this as a kid? So I don't
1: have any recollection playing this game as a kid. So we've talked about this before on one of our shows. It might have been even in one of um, the Marvel episodes we did way, way, way back, where I talked about how it's funny how my comic book journey went, where predominantly for the first part of my life up until late high school, but then really in college, I was almost all Marvel right? And it was only because of my dear friend and fellow uh, um, Alternate Realities patron, Wolcer Bone, who you've met and I've brought up here many times on the, on the podcast, really awesome. was just like, dude, like you have to be reading everything. There's so much good stuff out here that got me on board to be such a, a big DC fan and Superman fan. The point of all that is, even in this time period, the death of Superman was so big, I even had some of those comics around I, it was just such a big, it was a cultural event. I'm pretty sure you would know this better than me. I'm pretty sure it was in the major news outlets. Yeah, uh, it, it was everywhere. It really was like a moment in time and a cultural event. So all that being said, I didn't have the game. I was aware of it. I had all of the other materials and all the information, but you know what, what struck me uh, interesting. I wondered, I don't think there was, cause I thought for some reason that this was also an arcade game, but apparently it wasn't. And uh, part of the reason why uh, these games are designed like this with no save points is they're based in kind of an earlier style and build where the original arcade games were meant to be like this, because if it did have a continue system, you would have to keep putting in quarters. Right. And like, that's how they would make money. So maybe the fact that there was no save point and it was very difficult ping that in my brain, um, but yeah, I got to experience kind of this now, which is uh which is really cool. So thank you for giving me that opportunity.
0: Listen, my pleasure. I'm so happy that you you know, wanted to come along for this ride. So where how would you like to do this? Shall we talk about the game level by level, character by character, setting by setting? What what do you think would be best here?
1: I I'm, I'm open for whatever you you suggest. I have feelings and moments. That uh, that that jump out to me um, that I'm excited to talk about uh, and and share. But I'll I'll leave it I'll leave it up to you. Um, I definitely already have a favorite kind of part in mind that I'm I'm excited to share. I think we already in the very beginning we talked about how faithful it is, right? And that being the the tenet where it's really really cool if you've read this comic and know the story and you see this, it's like wow! Like to a large degree, you really are playing through that story, which. Uh, for its time period is, or any time period really, is an amazing feat.
0: Absolutely. Well, let me just, one thing I meant to say this earlier, talking about the graphics. So with this with this emulator that I may or may not have, I, I may or may not have access as the lawyer in me. I may right. or may not have access to the entire library of Super Nintendo games. And so I may mm-hmm. or may not have had the opportunity to, uh, to take a look at that Power Rangers game that I grew up playing. Allegedly. Allegedly. And playing that game you know, the the graphics in the Superman game, again, they're a far cry from what you know you you would be playing now, but they were strong far stronger than what I saw yeah. in that Power Rangers game, for example. So I, I think certainly for its time, the the graphics were were, were, were strong. They're, they're timeless. And there's also been,
1: uh, and you wouldn't know this if you just are kind of like a, what we call a triple A gamer, right? If you're playing like all of the uh, you know big releases and, and big video games that are out, you know whether you're a lot of the, the PlayStation first party stuff like God of War, Uncharted, uh, the new Halo, uh, Elden Ring this year that are just jaw-droppingly beautiful and stunning. But there's been such a big renaissance in the past decade or so of indie game development where many games look like this because they're people our age. And they create video games that look how we remembered them looking, not how they actually looked. But when, when we, same thing, when I played this, I was like, this remembers how I remember it looking, which to me means that this art is more timeless than a lot of its peers.
0: Right on. All right. So we'll see how how we want to proceed through this. But what, what was that favorite aspect of it uh, that you were getting at.
1: Okay. So stick with me here. Cause I think, I think you're going to be with me on this. and like this. So when we get towards the end, right. And Superman's back and they're, you know, he's, he's rare to grow. Superboy breaks out of the spacecraft uh, and they're all heading and steals with them. Right. But Superman's back. We're getting the idea that like, okay, Superman's back finally. And then when that next level starts, something that I thought was so cool is that's when you don't play as Superman, you play as steel. And that might seem, to somebody who maybe isn't familiar with the comics or maybe isn't dialed in on the details, as a huge thing. But I thought that was such a powerful choice because I felt like in a lazier adaptation of that story or this game, Superman's back. Finally, we get to play as Superman. You're playing as Steel, even though Superman's there. And you kind of touched on it in the beginning because the death of Superman, to me, Isn't really about the death of Superman, right? To me, it's about how do you do the impossible and fill the void that Superman has left? And there isn't a single answer, but they tried four. And out of those four, we got two that stood the test of time that we still celebrate and respect, at least on the white side, for lack of a better term, to this day. And that was so cool. In a subtle way, they really kind of gave Steele his flowers in that moment. And I thought that was, I'm going to sound silly for saying this, but I thought it was beautiful in a very understated way because they could have just been like, all right, Superman's back. Rest of the game is Superman. Save the day, roll the credits. But it's not really about him. It's about those of us who have to, pick up and carry on an impossible legacy an impossible shadow, not because we feel like we're up to the task, but because somebody has to do the right thing. And that's what makes quote unquote uh, unsuper people super in this case. And to me, that was such a powerful, subtle uh, example of that. I don't think I would have picked up on that uh, playing as a kid, if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, but that really struck me. I was like, that's such a deliberate and meaningful design choice that they put into this game.
0: Yeah, man. Well said. Was was Steel your favorite character to play as?
1: Yes, I think so. I was, think so.
0: Was it the hammer?
1: I love that hammer, man. I love the reach and the range and the power that it gives you. It reminds me of um for teenage mutant ninja turtle fans out there, Donatello is always notorious for having the best range with his staff, and it kind of reminded me of that a little bit.
0: It was it was like a moment of relief in the game to play as steel because you're right with the with the the range of that hammer. Yep you know, you were able to pick off the the adversaries from a greater distance than the other characters where you had to get yeah. in closer. And it that extra space and extra time like, really helped. So yes. he was a fun character to play as, but man, they were all fun to play as. I, I really yeah. have to say, like, I can't say enough good things about this game. And I again, not, not to belabor the point, but it's really played more as a reign of the Superman game. And, you know, to, to your point, and I know we've, we've talked about Death of Superman a lot on, on the show, the the death storyline itself i think is very powerful and is very effective and i i've talked about how you know even as a kid even if i wouldn't have articulated this at the time or couldn't have this the fact that superman was the only one able and willing to go the distance right that that made such an impression on me so the death mm-hmm. portion in and of itself is very strong but i you know i don't think we would still be talking about it today if it's not for funeral for a friend and reign of the Superman, yeah. because it's through those yeah. storylines that you get to see through his absence, through the way he's remembered, through the way he's emulated, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get to see exactly what what he meant and what what he represented. And so, to see the the four Supermen, you know, kind of that's to see that storyline play out over the course of the game was was really cool. I would say that Steel was. He probably was my favorite to play with to play as in this with that yes. hammer man.
1: Ah, it's just it's so good. I also I just I love the this first 90s incarnation of Superboy. I still remember that iconic cover of him with his back and him pointing with the arrow. Uh, you know, arrow, excuse me, his thumb pointing to his back. You know, with his cool jacket on, his glasses, looking over the shoulder, being like, "What?" Like, you know, as a kid, you're like, "What is this? This is the new Superboy or Superman?" Like, and he just was so 90s cool and um. There was something too, I think, aside from all that bravado and all that, and of course, everything that would come later, uh, there was just something kind of so endearing about you have, well, I was going to say, you know, three men, but certainly, you know, uh, a cyborg being one of them, but three three adults, we'll, we'll say, and then ostensibly this, this kid. Who's trying to do his part. And I think there's, even if he's not perfect, even if it fails, even if there's a lot of shock and bravado, there's something so endearing about the impossibility and the infeasibility of a child ostensibly trying to fill the shoes of Superman that a part of me has to root for him, right? Like it's so unlikely and it's so striking and it's so improbable that you just want to root for the guy. So he also always has, especially that first incarnation always has a special place in my heart.
0: absolutely there's there's a lot i like about the black t-shirt version who's the product of you know superman's dna and lex's dna that's a compelling version i do
1: like that yes
0: but who the version i gravitate to most is that is that initial incarnation and the one that we see brought to the to the video game here so 10 levels and again over the course of the game you get to play as superman cyborg eradicator superboy and steel Alas, you never get to play as Black Suit Superman. And I know, you know, this is going to sound nitpicky because the game gives us a lot. But if if there were one thing that I would have liked, I would have really liked to be able to play as the Black Suit Superman. I mean, look, Pie in the Sky Wishes, it would have been really neat if if there were a level where you played as Green Lantern fighting Mongol, you know. Because oh, again, yes. the, game, the game gives you the destruction of Coast City. They omit justice league they omit green lantern they omit mine i was
1: still shocked that that made it in there though i was actually still impressed just by that that, that was in there
0: i agree and I, you know one of the things I, I i made a note of was when you're when you're playing in the you know you're playing the levels where you're actually in the remains of coast city there are skeletons beneath your feet it's dark stuff man yeah like they didn't mess around with this it's like oh, okay I, I was like wow like that's pretty serious
1: it's funny because I just got done uh, for um, Concord Education's website doing a bunch of the ESRB ratings for the games. And like, I really wonder what that game would have been rated with like a modern, uh, modern sensibility as opposed to that. Because, like, yeah, like it's a little less offensive in, of course, you know, more of the pixel art style of the time, as beautiful as it is. But if you really take a second and think about what's going on, like, that's really dark
0: stuff. Yeah. So definitely the, I know you mentioned the music before. I love the music. It's the, I mean, how would you describe the music? I mean, it's like 90s techno, like what, how would you describe it?
1: Yeah. So uh, a lot of the old shorthand is like midis, they call it, or uh, you know, a little past chiptune. Not chiptune is more like a little, a little older than that. But yeah, I'd say like 90s, uh, midi, uh, beat heavy uh, music that gets you moving. It kind of gets you excited to play. You want music to always be a compliment and not take you out of it, especially with the limitations of the day. And uh, I mean, I'm a sucker for video game music. Uh, I'll give full disclosure here being nerdy. If I'm working to this day, a lot of times I'll put on like video game music soundtracks just in the background. Um, there's even like lo-fi beat versions of like video game soundtracks that are awesome because a lot of the older music and even now up to today, there's been some beautiful scores and beautiful music. They're such doing such a good job of being powerful and understated, but you can still focus on what you're doing, whether that's the video game at hand or you're trying to get some work done. So uh, this definitely fits that vibe completely.
0: I love it. Yeah. It's so, it's funny. Cause you know, I, I'm, I'm in my basement here and when the AC is running, you know, the HVAC unit is going and it gets loud in here. And when I was playing earlier, when that would happen, I would turn up the volume. Like you would think, especially for my second playthrough, it's like, I don't need to hear the music, but I kind of did, or at yeah. least I wanted to. So yeah, the music added a lot. Again, the graphics really, I think for its time. And and I, again, I mean, it's my perspective is skewed right? because I, I don't play the modern games, but you know, so I look at it now I'm like, wow, this looks great. I mean, I'm sure if I were coming from, you know, uh, Arkham Asylum or you know, any, any of those current games, I'd be like, Oh, well,
1: I was going to recommend those games to you. and You know them already. Look at you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, (laughs) totally ignorant of what's been going
1: on. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to announce uh, Twitch.tv, Digging for Kryptonite, starting right now. I'm kidding.
0: Yeah. I'm sure I'll do that podcast at some point. I'll do a video game thing. I mean, I've I've long said, as my son gets older, you know, if and when he wants to get into video games, that might be my return. Like, I would do it to play with him. I don't know that I would really do it on my own unless I I were doing an episode like this. Sure. But, uh, but I, I would, I, I would <laughs> part, of, we'll see if he gets into it. Part of me is like, I hope he does. Cause it would be fun to play some gonna of be, these games.
1: I'm going to be leaving little video games on your doorstep. I, I'm back in New York now. I can do it. I want you to know.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> so the music, the graphics, the storyline, and there are these, you know, these interstitial story moments mm-hmm. in between levels. They're very basic. They're very basic. You get a static image. I mean, the camera kind of pans across it, but it's, it's not animated, right? It's not moving. And you get text explaining what's happening, right? Like, Doomsday is attacking. Superman is the only one who can save Metropolis. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that sort of takes us through and, and, and moves us along. Uh, but again, the storyline was definitely a highlight. The play of being able to play as as all four replacement Superman was was fantastic. That really, I think, made the game for me.
1: What that that's one of the main reasons why I think it sets this game far and above, for sure. Getting even to play as uh, each of them, even though there wasn't a black suit Superman, uh, as, as you said. I'd like to believe that was because of limitations rather than uh, omission. But I still just being able to play as all of them just rings so true of the story. Because just like they're all taking their chance and their shot at being Superman, we are too. As we play as Superman and we play as all of them. So thematically to me, it's just um I can't imagine it going any other way.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. The, the, the last thing I'll say about Black Suit Superman, it just kind of it broke my heart because the, the final level begins with I don't even know what you call it, where it's it's sort of playing out, but you're not controlling it. A cutscene. A cutscene. Okay, there we go. Yeah. I'm learning so much. So <laughs> You know, and it starts out in that cutscene at the beginning of, of Level 10 with the with a Cyborg blasting Superman, but Eradicator jumping in front. And uh-huh. Eradicator channeling that energy and changing it such that when it hits Superman, it restores his power and costume. Which Eradicator comes, did good. He did Erra- good. He did. He redeemed himself in the end. Mm-hmm. And look, he Superman did. wouldn't be back to life. He wouldn't be in that rejuvenation matrix had it not been for the Eradicator. So Eradicator That's had a, cool. and a very important part to play.
1: Often looked over. He definitely is the the weakest of the four. Fair to say.
0: That's yeah. I think that's fair to say. Right.
1: Fair to say. I, I don't think too many people would push back when dealing with like the later on importance too of all the three other Superman. You yeah. know, but it's true. That's important. What you just said. It's still worthy of note and worthy of mention. You know, his sacrifice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But you know, as I'm watching that, I'm like, ah, oh, what. what? You know, that's how the game should have ended in my mind, right? Like the last mm-hmm. level could have been playing as black suit Superman and it ends with that moment, but it's mm-hmm. fine. It's not a big deal, but it was just like, oh, it was so close.
1: It was right there.
0: But the other thing, one of the other things that I really liked about this is as you're you're playing as each of the characters, you know, you've got the basic moves like the punching and the flying and certainly Mike. well, I guess we can talk more about moves, but my go-to was certainly jumping up and then, you know, sort of launching yourself at, at the adversary that you're fighting. That was a, a very effective way I found to, to try to, you know, make the most of your, your time I, and your hits.
1: I, I love that because I feel like in this genre of, uh, beat up or, uh, as they call them in Europe, belt games, cause it kind of runs horizontally on a belt, which is kind of, I thought was an interesting terminology, uh, a hundred percent. So, uh, again, I'll bring this to connect, I promise, but. A few weeks ago, a few months ago, actually, excuse me, they released a game called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge, which was, um, I believe, it's I am Eight Bit. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Uh, that made this game. I absolutely loved it. It's one of my games of the year this year. It's phenomenal. But like what I just said about all this indie game love, they basically made a modern version and homage, if not a sequel, to Turtles in Time, from when we were in kid- for we were kids, and one of the most effective methods in that game and in this one is your jump attack and that's exactly what you're describing right there and as i'm sure you'll agree with you need to do that especially if you don't have wise invincibility because you can't just stand and get hit as you're getting hit you have to be maneuverable if you want to save your skin doing jump attacks accomplishes both of those so i think most people would agree in these styles of games that is probably the most valuable move um, aside for special moves of course that you're going to come across so i'm in full agreement with that
0: Absolutely. Well, and kind of that's a perfect segue. So in addition to those basic moves and the jump moves, the jump attack and being able to fly, each of the characters has a blast of some sort. Right. So as a standard move. Right. So Superman has his heat vision. Steel has his blaster cyborg. They all have a similar version of that. But then there's the special attack. You only have a limited number of those unless you have a cheat code. And I will say, especially on my playthrough, I was a little more generous with those because I was like, all right, I got to like it was, it was literally in advance of this recording. I was like, all right, I, I got to get through this. And there were points yeah. where I was like, I don't really need to fight these war worlders anymore because yep. I, I kind of get the gist of it. <laughs> but clear them. You just want to clear him. You just want to clear him. But you have these mm-hmm. special attacks and they were, they were really cool. Uh, You know, Superman flies up and then he, you know, he, he, he lands hard, he punches the ground and, you know, and he disperses everyone. Uh, And, y- you know, each of them has a version of that. The cyborg one was particularly badass from a visual yes. perspective. It's like if you look up the like that pinup art of the Eradicator from Reign of the Superman, like standing there with the. You know, like in shadows and the glowing hands, it's like that's the effect that it gives you as he, as he radiates this energy. Like it's so cool. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's awesome. And I, again, I, I think my favorite actually might have been Cyborgs, Cyborg Superman, like you said. I actually, I grew on to, to love that character, especially with all the involvement he had, um, especially you know, in the, He it's funny, right? Because he starts off here, but he very much is firmly, uh, from destroying Coast City and then in so many huge Green Lantern events and beyond, is just such a wonderfully despicable villain um and uh it's it's funny because i really do and i wonder if you'd agree with this i almost think of him as a green lantern villain now uh you know as much if not more so as a superman villain but that aside I, i really i i love him he's up there with like some of my favorite dc villains and there's also just such a there's something so amazing about his look because even compared to the other three when you look at him and you see that part of superman is mechanical on a robot, you're looking at something that just should not be. And there's like a bunch of kind of like my love for Metallo. I think we're seeing a theme with me here and these robots, maybe for long time <laughs> listeners. But you're, you're looking, right? There's like, there's a callback, right? Somebody, the people who watch that show and watch this one are laughing right now, I promise you. Um, it's that body horror, right? You're really just striking, like, whoa, that's not right. That shouldn't be. How did that happen, and how do we stop it? <laughs> and uh, it's just—I uh, thought they did a good job of capturing that, even in this game uh, as well.
0: Yeah, no, it, I mean I, this is a separate conversation, I guess. But I, I am with you. I—I I mean, ultimately, I think of him as a Superman villain, but I agree. I think there's a very strong case to be made, and I think if you are really crafting an argument, there's probably a stronger one to be made for him as a Green Lantern villain. That's and right. that's right. Uh, I. We'll see as we make our way through this event and when we eventually cover the Electric Superman, like the rest of the Triangle Era. But I I certainly got to a point, as a kid at least, again, I'll see how I feel as an adult revisiting this. But as a kid, I I think I got to a point where it was like, I wasn't particularly excited when Cyborg Superman showed up in the books. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think in part, a la Doomsday, it's like when that initial story is so strong, so effective, so big, it's like it's hard to top it. But I thought that in more recent years, although I guess not so recent anymore, (laughs) time goes very quickly. That's the the truth, brother. The way that he was reintroduced uh, in in the Sinestro Corps War and, and, you know, really made a part of the Green Lantern mythology and the Green Lantern Robes Gallery—
1: Love that story so much, but continue.
0: Like, you know, it just works. Like I, I so, yeah. you know, if, if you were to say like, oh, I really think of him as a Green Lantern villain first, it's like, yeah, no, I get that. I There's mm-hmm. something very compelling about that. Uh, and so his special attack name was a bomb, right? Yeah.
1: Yep. I just, he just, there, there was a certain aggressiveness to his play too, that I felt like where all the others, um, you know, you, you have the range, you have the flight, you have all of that as well too. But there was just something more aggressive about the play style to me of Cyborg Superman, which really fit, which again, I think also plays into the love and knowledge that was put into this game as well.
0: Well, along those lines, you know, one of the moves is a standard move, but uh, with Superman, for example, you can grab one of the bad guys and throw them. Mm -hmm. And they each have a little different spin on that. Like with Superboy, it's almost like like he's flipping them. Mm -hmm. Like there's more agility involved in it and I, I think I might be conflating these. I might need you to help me to sort them out. But is it, is Cyborg the one where like you grab them, and basically like bash them by the head? Yep. Right? and then errati- pretty sure, yeah. And then Eradicator, you like break them over your knee.
1: It's very violent. And it's funny because like, if you look at like their kind of alignments uh, for the majority of the time we know them, again, that's how you can tell the story was, this game was crafted with knowledge and care, right? Just those details about their play styles. Even if you didn't know the story, and let's just say, like, I don't even know how this would happen, but I suppose it could very logically happen that somebody just got this game, like, back in the day and didn't read the comics and played it. You, you imagine playing that and seeing the hit over the head or the, uh, I almost called it a Bane-esque break over the knee. But, but yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I, my mind goes to. Imagine seeing that and being like, no, Superman doesn't do that. Like, that's not right. And, like, that's all you need to know. Like, there's something not right here with uh, these two would-be Superman. And that's why I think it's cool because even if not reading the comic, you would still get a pretty interesting uh, story and a decent amount of it from playing this game. And, that's a, and that snapshot, I think you summed it up perfectly with those details.
0: That's the thing, like that really stood out to me. I was, I was, as I was playing this, I was like, yeah, I mean, that's that tracks exactly with who these characters were and how it played out in the comic, right? Where with both Eradicator and Cyborg, same type of thing at play where this was, The super, but not the man, right? There, you didn't have the humanity. Eradicator was all Kryptonian.
1: I love the way you just put that, right? And of course, super, but not the man, yeah, right, exactly, right.
0: And cyborg. I mean, in addition to ultimately being a villain, but even putting that aside, the fact that he's you know part machine, you know, there's that heart of the character that's not there. So, the fact that their move was more brutal, more vicious, more punishing, totally tracked. And again, going along with the storyline, the fact that. The first level you play as Eradicator, the boss is Steel.
1: Yeah, isn't Can't, that cool?
0: Right out, right out of the comics, and you know I, I revisited all of this just a year ago, so it's still relatively fresh. And you know that was I thought was one of the highlights of the reign of the Superman for me when those two faced off, and it and it sort of you know helped turn Eradicator around a little bit, where it's like all mm-hmm. right, like I like I'm not necessarily you know on the right track here. Uh, so it was yeah, man, like it really. I agree. You know, if you just play this game in a vacuum, it gives you, I think, a lot of the core of the yeah. storyline. You don't have all of the beats necessarily, but you kind of you get the spirit of it.
1: Yeah. To be clear, I'm not telling people to not read the comic and just play this game. But <laughs> uh, instead, it's, it's a badge of honor, and a testament to the work that was put into this, that you could have a complete experience. And yeah, like you said, I think kind of the the broader stroke and core understandings of what exactly happened during this saga.
0: So since I took all these notes and I played it through twice, let's, let's do a quick run through of the levels. Well, I I won't, you know, I I won't keep people here all day with this, but
1: you're, you're our resident expert. Let's go. Let's do it.
0: I I reject that title, especially when it comes to video games, but thank you. Nevertheless. So level one is siege of the underworlders. So this comes right out of the very beginning of death, Mm -hmm. the death of Superman storyline, which You know, it was only after last year's event when I read all of the comics leading up to Death of Superman, Superman, that I I came to appreciate this more because as a kid, it's like you start off with these underground monsters. It's like, what is all of this about? But, you know, I had I have greater context for it now. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think it's a great it's a great way to kick off the game. And it's it is the easiest, probably the easiest one of the aerial levels. And later on in the game, I thought was relatively easy compared to the rest of it.
1: Yep. Yep. And this was, I think, usually, you know, the first area or level of a game is usually should be easier, and especially in lieu of like um, a formal tutorial. A lot of times these kind of serve as that. Um, but yeah, I thought it was the easiest and I, I thought it was fine. Um, the, the thing that stood out to me is what we've kind of hit on already, too, is right from the beginning, we see that this is a faithful adaptation, right? Which is really, really cool. We're starting where it starts, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Ex- no. Exactly. Like I did. A- I appreciated that. I mean, and you know, you can say, well, he needs someone to fight at the beginning. It's true, but it's, you could have gone right into the battle with Doomsday. I, I appreciate they could have they could have had him
1: beating beating up bank robbers. Yeah. Instead, they decided to be faithful, so I give them a lot of credit for that.
0: Yeah. So you fight uh, Rambo, blue and red versions, Igor, Tick, and uh, <laughs>
1: what's your what's what's your favorite Tick story?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to dig through the back issues and get back to you on that. Amazing. And then our boss is is Closter. And, you know, you're sort yeah. of making your way through this like industrial area of Metropolis. And then there's an elevator portion of the level and, and you have your your final showdown. It's, again, relatively standard, but at least it gives you, like I said, relatively easy compared to what's to come. And I think it helps you get your bearings and learn the game and, and sort yep. of learn the basic functions of it.
1: And I it, agree. I, it serves its purpose and it's faithful.
0: And it sets it really sets the template for, you know, for what's to come. Because basically, you know, the settings will change right as we move forward. We'll get to the streets of Metropolis, the rooftops of Metropolis, the skies above Metropolis. Uh, We'll go into Cadmus, we'll go to Coast City, to the remains of Coast City, we'll go into the engine of Coast City uh, and all of that. But in terms of who you're fighting you know, at each step along the way there, the basic archetypes are set here. So, yep. you know, later on when you're in Cadmus, you know, you're fighting the elite and the defender, uh, but again, still so, all sort of following the same basic archetype. And when you're in coast city, you're fighting the, the, the war and, and again, all, all in the same vein.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. A lot of the, the games, so even to this day too, um, You don't want it to be just like they're putting new skins on, the same archetypes, even though a lot of time in this era is what's happening, but that's essentially what's happening, right? Different enemies, and it's not even necessarily being lazy. I would chalk it up to the limitations of the time, but also the idea that the player can only learn so much, especially in a game like this. So if at least these enemies are coming at you, you can say, oh, okay, I know that this is this type of enemy. This is how they're going to attack. I need to do X, Y, and Z to either dodge, prepare, or attack back.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, that sort of gives us our, uh, our our first level there, and then with level two, we get right into the doomsday action. Now, like I said earlier, I yeah. f- this level frustrated me because it was really t- I felt like it was two levels in one. I mean, you're fighting Molotov and chainsaw. <laughs> I, I'll I'll circle back to them in a second. But you know, you're fighting them <laughs> in the streets of Metropolis, then you have this battle with Doomsday, and you think you're done, and then you're back to the streets of Metropolis fighting these guys again and then having a rematch with Doomsday. Now, I'm of two minds. I'm of two minds here. Cause on the one hand, I do have to tip my hat to the developers because it's like, yeah, you want to build up Doomsday as this massive threat. And so if he's just a standard boss you fight once, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have that effect. I just feel like Maybe it could have just been its own level. I didn't like the fact yeah. that I felt like I was done, <laughs> and I wasn't.
1: I I would have rather had an entire level fighting Doomsday various times and in various forms in various locations.
0: Thank you. I I think
1: that would have. Um. I don't. You've never played any of the
0: uh, Injustice games, have you? No. Only, only watch that movie. That was it. Yeah,
1: I know you're familiar with that. I know you're familiar with that. But uh, so same developers that made the Mortal Kombat games. Uh, and again, stick with me here. This is going to something to connect. Something cool in those games in the more modern reiterations. When you're in a fight, you can break open the environments and the level you're in will turn completely into a new one. And I would love if we had like a simpler version of that. With the doomsday fight like they both feel you like know, they can both get knocked over and suddenly like you know they're above ground maybe they're now this portion you're in the sky to really get that epic feel i'm also going to throw this in here too because we talked about the art and i don't know when else to bring this up i think this is a good time how about the box cover not that it matters for us the way we played the box cover art is so striking isn't it? I mean, just the fist, the bloody fist through the Superman logo. I mean, my goodness. So Doomsday certainly is a, a force and you can tell just by looking at the cover.
0: It, it's the, the cover art is iconic. And again, even in those, those interstitials that I was mentioning before, when Doomsday arrives, you know, on the, on that static image and you see him in that green containment suit as he's sort of breaking free. And yep. then ultimately later after Superman dies and you see Lois holding him in her arms, it's, it yeah. you know, it 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 utilizes that core iconic imagery from the comics yeah. to to great effect. I agree with you. That was the kind of my main critique of level two was like it's funny, level one was amazing. It's like, wow, what a great pull from the comics using the underworlders. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Superman is fighting these like street level gang members uh, essentially uh, along the way to doomsday and in between doomsday, you know, it's, it's not from the comics. I, I agree with you. Like, I think it would have been cool if it was just a prolonged battle with doomsday and like, you can start off like doomsday can be easier, you know, early yeah. on in the level and get harder as you go along and fight in different environments. I think that would have been the sweet spot for that level and would have really taken it to another place, but it was, you know, it was solid as it was, but it was just like, what, what is does it deal with these, with these guys?
1: And uh, it, it also would have challenged the sensibilities of the day, especially too, right? Where you are, and you can't have the Doomsday fight be later because it doesn't make sense in the story. But just having played video games at that time, you beat an enemy, you move on. I think it would have been so, so cool to beat Doomsday. Imagine being a kid being like, okay, next level. And the game almost leads you on, like you're going to the next level and Doomsday gets up. And you just, can you imagine that moment as a kid being like, no, like that's, I'm supposed to be at the next level. I beat him already. Like that's and and that dread really ties in thematically as well too to that whole fight and what happens. So yeah,
0: I know that. I know that would have been really cool. I, you know, it it, it is what it is. Again, it, you know, I I appreciate the position they were in because the story was not designed around multiple villains. Like the whole point was, Doomsday shows up and this is the one who takes everyone out. So I know they had mm-hmm. to figure out something, but I think what we're you know, what we're, you know, conjuring, you know, would have been stronger. I will say though, they're do, I love their doomsday. I mean, he was, yeah. you know, he was tough to fight. He was fast. Like it, I guess all this was true for most of the bosses that you fight. I mean, it's like, if you get, if you get pinned in the corner, like you're done. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> like yep. you're done. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. The the game
1: is, you wouldn't necessarily think of it, but I feel like the game has such a focus on evasiveness yeah, and it's more important first to be quick and be aware, uh, as opposed to just, you know, I'm super strong and, you know, slugging away. And I think you're absolutely right. If you get stuck, it's a very chance that you're going to lose a life uh, pretty rapidly and pretty quickly if you're pinned in a corner, as you said.
0: Yeah. For, no, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the brutality of Doomsday. And, you know, this was such a little touch, but Doomsday laughs. Yeah. And this, the which which yeah. right from the comic and, yep. you know, Bernie and I, a few episodes ago, we talked about uh, Superman, Doomsday, Hunter, Pro, I, I, Hunter, Prey. I don't think we even touched on this. I, I meant to, but, you know, the, like Doomsday f- starts to form some words in that story, you know, as he's continuing to evolve, which is interesting. But yeah, I loved, I loved the laughter. I mean, it really added to the menace of the character I and mean, was straight from the comic. I thought, yeah, I guess uh, ultimately that's my com- quote unquote complaint about the level. I just wanted more Doomsday.
1: Yeah, we wanted what was advertised on the tin, so to speak, right? We wanted we wanted more of that, and more uh, more more Doomsday, but uh, it's easy for us to uh, it's not even uh, you know, uh, Tuesday morning, <laughs> Monday morning, quarterbacking here. It's uh, several decades later quarterbacking, right?
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, uh, no, that's the thing. I uh, again, very ha- very happy with this game. Just just yes. to reiterate, and you know, so you get, to, of course, you have to beat Doomsday, but then once you do. Right, yeah. Uh, you you lose control, and Superman and Doomsday punch each other, and 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 are both down for the count. Uh, and at that point, Superman is perished, and that leads us into the the reign of the Superman portion.
1: Three, month, three months later, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, we get to see again through the the art in between the the introduction of these characters, and then we get into the gameplay where you're playing as as each of the characters. You start off as cyborg. Ooh, this yeah. was. Look, yep. again, as far as the storyline and being faithful to the comics, I mean, this next level, level three as Cyborg, you're infiltrating Cadmus Labs to steal the body of Doomsday.
1: It's one of my highlights of the whole game. One of my other highlights of the whole game was this level, this experience. Um, and again, just seeing Project Cadmus in a video game, seeing it like be like this faithful. Like if you're a DC comic fan and you've read this story, you're going to be popping like big time for this whole thing. Because, boy, it is some real accurate fan service also to this perfectly lines up what we were saying before too especially about cyborg uh cyborg superman rather what's so interesting to me is that he's the first one you play as right so his mission is not i'm the new superman i need to protect people i need to make a difference his first mission is i need to go get rid of doomsday while he's down To make sure i don't die again just like the again you know what i mean just like superman the real superman did and i think as if you're especially as a kid if you're just playing it for the first time you might not think anything of it but if you know the story or if you're older and playing like us just like those moves those violent moves were an indicator his mission as soon as you see him the very first one is an indicator that Maybe something's not quite right with this Superman if his first mission is to ostensibly banish, if not kill, another living thing. Not because he wants to protect the world again, but because he's worried that the same thing could happen to him.
0: Yeah. No, I I mean, I agree with you. You're right. I mean, there are a lot of choices here that I think when you really think about them, and assuming as much thought went into it as, as, as we think there was... Yeah, You know, it it, it really does create this effect. So, yeah, I think it it was a very smart decision to have Cyborg be the first of of the ones that you play with, play as. And, you know, there's a lot going on. I mean, this level has multiple components. I mean, they all do. But the fact that this one starts as an aerial battle, right, as you're flying, you know, which was, again, a different way to play. I mean, again, you can fly as all of the characters and there are certainly instances in the various levels where you would want to fly, like when you're fighting the the, the Warworlder or, um, or, or, you know, later on uh, in this very level, right, when you're fighting um, the elite from Cadmus uh, yes. who can fly, where you, you want to utilize this. But this was a fully aerial section where you're just flying the entire time. You have no choice. And what this was, I, I thought the aerial sections, because you do this a, a bunch of times and, and Superboy has a key level later on where he has to stop the missile from getting to metropolis and that entire thing is is aerial. i thought these were surprisingly easy compared to the rest of the game and they gave you far more uh extra health icons than mm-hmm. you found anywhere else in the game what, what did you think of that
1: uh I, I don't presume to know you know what was going into the you know game developers mind i i can only make educated guesses in good faith and my would be is it is extremely difficult today let alone then to incorporate different gameplay mechanics and different gameplay styles into a game that already has them well established and they're basically saying to players hey this is different You might have to learn how to move in a different space a little bit here. So maybe they'll throw you, again, we didn't get save points, but (laughs) they did throw us a little more leeway, it seems like. Um, Again, throwing it back to all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games, kind of of a similar genre, and even to Shredder's Revenge that came out this year. I always did find, for the most part, the same thing is true. I never really had too much of a trouble on those, you know, uh, surfing, skateboarding, flying, hovering levels. Right. And I really wonder if it's consciously a little bit of a sympathy, sympathy play from the game developers being like, hey, this is going to be completely different instead of having you just die here in an extremely unfair death because you don't aren't quite familiar with this kind of new maneuverability and environment. I would like to think that maybe they were a little more generous and if it was just, Oh, it's a little easier. You'd say, well, maybe, but the fact that and you hit the nail on the head, there definitely does seem to be more health items and power-ups in these levels. It really does kind of make me believe that that's the case.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was definitely my, my takeaway playing it. They were a lot of fun and, and when I say easy, it's like, I guess once you recognize the pattern of, you know, mm-hmm. these objects coming at you and they're firing, but they all kind of go in a pattern and sometimes they come in from up top and sometimes they come from the bottom. I found, and yes, I recognized with infinite lives, you know, that I had that going on, but even still, I, like, I, I don't know that I even died at all mm-hmm. at, in this portion. And it was just once you knew the pattern. And basically what I found, as long as you just kept firing the whole time, that, accomplished a lot and then again if you could sort of anticipate which direction they were going to come from i mean there were times you could just kind of get in the right position and just go right under or or over them Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, i agree and that's that's a lot of what uh these games are pattern recognitions and i think it's much it's much easier to recognize the pattern patterns of even though they're moving static objects isn't the right word but they're moving in a fixed formation kind of at these enemies that are coming at you horizontally quicker I definitely am 100%, at least from my mind, I think it's easier to kind of recognize these patterns in that more open space and be able to kind of maneuver around them. So I think you're onto something there.
0: And as far as strategy generally, actually, this is a larger point, not tied to a specific level, but I did, you know, this game gave me greater appreciation for 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 why people play video games generally, and especially why, you know, people like yourself, like you continue to play them because it really does... I really admire the strategy that that you needed to cultivate. And look, as a though I don't follow the the sport of boxing, I sure do love the Rocky movies. And you know that that came to mind a lot too. Like, how do you engage an opponent? And you know what what position do you need to be? And how quickly do you need to move? Like,
1: you're talking about esports, Anthony. It's exactly what you're talking about, which is really cool. It's exactly right.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of unlocked something for me where it's like you know I don't. No, that again. I don't think I'm going to become a gamer tomorrow. Like podcasting is, I think, what you know. If, if I weren't doing this, maybe maybe I would. But this is where the, the the time goes. But keep keep podcasting on behalf
1: of everybody. We need you to keep podcasting. So if we <laughs> have to choose, you're doing it right. Thanks. <laughs> so,
0: but but it just like it just gave me greater appreciation and understanding for it, um, which was really cool. And and as far as strategy and, and the other levels, because again, like we were saying, you know, you're sort of seeing the same sorts of archetypes and the bad guys that you're fight fighting throughout most of these levels. And like we said before, I think the jump attack was definitely clutch. I
1: yes. think when,
0: when we get to the point, including in this level, when you're fighting the Cadmus soldier who can fly, I found taking out the flyer first made the most sense because when you're up there, you're generally safe from the ones on the ground. And the flip of it is if you're trying to fight on the ground and you're getting, you know, you know, pelted from above, you, you know, that that doesn't bode well. Did you find that as well? One hundred
1: percent. Well, what you're doing is and that's why it's it's so impressive. People who are truly uh, masters of uh, their game of choice or several games just in general, because you're making those split second decisions. Right. And you need to eliminate, at least in my estimation. Right. You need to eliminate the greatest threat. that also has the most amount of time to get to. Right, it's like that equation that people do in a split second in their head. Almost, it's like it's why they always say take out the snipers first when you're playing a game. That's what you always, I always hear when I'm when I'm playing a game, whether it's Halo. I'm a big Halo fan myself as well too, um, but I'm sure that applies to Battlefield, Call of Duty, uh, all of those games as well too. Because the idea is that if somebody can hit you and you can't immediately hit them, you are in a lot of trouble. Everybody else, if you're on the same plane. You at least can maneuver around, hit back immediately, whatever your particular strategy is. But if they can hit you and you can't hit them, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you don't close that gap.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, taking care of the flyers first, the jump attack, the, you know, those special attacks, especially unlimited, but I really was, I did use those sparingly, especially the first time that I played through, I really only did it if I really just wanted to move on or, um, usually that was it I mean for them I again I, I didn't use them too often because typically if you use those during the you know fighting the the, the regular baddies that usually takes out whoever I- is there mm-hmm. if you use it in a, at a fighting a boss um you'll, you'll need to do it a bunch of times in order for <laughs> for it to actually I, stop them. I'm,
1: I'm not I'm not gonna get us derailed here too much I promise but I gotta throw this in here too just because we're talking about special attacks and comic book games did you ever play by any chance um maximum carnage or separation anxiety on the super NES? Yes. Similar, similar, similar. I have great love for those games as well, too. I'm sure a lot of our uh, audience also does as well. My point being is, I think those are still my favorite specials in the game, because do you remember how cool it was to use a special and call another character in to come help you? Like you could call in Captain America or Hawkeye to come help you. I just that pinged that memory in my brain. I was like, man, that was so cool.
0: So at some point in the future, probably years from now, when I do my Spider-Man podcast, <laughs> there we go i'll call you in and we'll do our maximum carnage that
1: Oof, i can't wait
0: that you one, know i did, that that that's two pl-
1: those are two players also too so we might we might have to try to get something going with that you know
0: We'll we'll, we'll circle back to that awesome and, and then the other thing too just as far as strategy certainly being able to pick up objects in, in certain instances and, and throw them that helped it was also cool and we'll get back into the level by level but just i, I wanted to you know to sort of talk about this a little bit what, was, what I liked about this game, as hard as it was, and when we say hard, it was just, again, especially as you get deeper into the game, the the amount of adversaries coming at you at one time with different yep. modes of attack, it, it does become a bit overwhelming.
1: Yes. Your processing speed goes from quick to, I mean, honestly, almost impossible, at least for mere mortals like my uh, myself compared to the people who are truly, yeah, it just becomes a numbers game at some point.
0: Side note, audience, if anyone out there, if you've beaten this game without cheat codes, please reach out. I would yes. love to shake your hand virtually because yes, I, it's, it'd be astounding to me.
1: You have our eternal respect, for sure.
0: But what I thought was so cool about this is you can use the, the villains against each other. I mean, you can literally pick them up and throw them at each other, which is cool. Love it. Um, but like Molotov, for example, when he throws his Molotov cocktail, like if you get out of the way and there's one of the other bad guys behind you, like it'll hit them which is such
1: an advanced mechanic uh, that is just wonderful. We see that, you know, a, a lot of times today, but I love that because not only does it add a sense of realism, but it also adds another layer of strategy, right? Where you can actually damage another enemy by not attacking, but by just that evasiveness. It goes back to my, to my, my point I made where I really think that the central core combat of this game is situational awareness and uh, evasiveness, Right, compared and attacking actually comes second, at least in my estimation.
0: I think that's fair, man. I I really do. And I will say one of the things that frustrated me: there are a couple of instances in the first level when you're playing a Superman, and later on when you're in Coast City, when debris is falling. I could never figure out how to avoid it. Totally. Do you think?
1: Do you think it's because the fall speeds are faster? Or because the patterns are more irregular of maybe a combination of the two?
0: I I, I don't know. I think it's my own, my own limitations. Although, actually, you know what? I did get better. I think the first time it happened, I was just like, where am I supposed to go? And then I realized, okay, I, th- I think I did yeah. start to recognize the patterns. And then I didn't even move as much. I realized I guess you didn't need to necessarily. So I, I did get better at it, but I still, Which is also still love that
1: why for this game, it's just it's rancidly unfair. There's no saver checkpoint system because part of the reasons modern games are are fun. I actually don't have that much experience in this in this genre, but games like Dark Souls or Elden Ring that are uh, punishing, but are pretty much like this old school mindset of you have to learn the strategies and the patterns of your opponents in your environments again, and you do get punished. By losing loot and gear every time you die, however, you don't have to start from the very beginning of the game. So that that is something to be said. I think it would have benefited because I do fully respect and appreciate that satisfaction of somebody who can sit there in the original game mode as intended and try again and again and learn these patterns again and again and again. Uh, it's it's amazing,
0: really. And I I meant to say this at the top, but you know, audience, if if you've never played this game, if you've never seen this game. I do recommend, you know, go on YouTube and search Death and Return of Superman playthrough. There are a bunch out there, like a little over an hour, you know, not that you need to even watch the whole thing, but just kind of scroll through it just so you can sort of get a sense of, you know, more of what we're talking about. All right. So I guess zeroing back in on these levels, uh, the last thing I just wanted to say about that first cyborg level is, and again, a little nitpicky, but rather than have the boss be the sentinel robot. Yep. As a comic book fan, it would have been cool We're in Cadmus, maybe if he had fought Guardian, you know, something uh, like that. Yes. Would have been cool, you know. That
1: would have been very cool. I agree with you.
0: So he hurls Doomsday into space. We're done there. Then we get the next two levels as the Eradicator. Level four is called the Last Son of Krypton, appropriately. And then yep. level five is Ambush at Coast City. So in level four, you're back on the streets of Metropolis at nighttime. You're the Eradicator. You're busting heads. You square off against Steel at the yep. end
1: as we touched upon, which is pretty pretty cool and pretty jarring, right?
0: Yeah, and again, like Steel kind of sets him straight, right, and and sends him on a better path, and so he, uh, you know, in, in level five, again, ambush at Coast City, uh, the first portion of that is aerial, and then he's on the ground in Coast City, and he's fighting off the Warworlders. Now, we get, you know, we get an upgrade here, right, with uh, some of these archetypes. The Warbot, in particular, has these retractable claws, I guess? Yep. As if the were game weren't hard enough, now now this bad guy can like can reach you and pull you in.
1: And that's what we were talking about. Why we like steel, right? Because that added distance. It kind of uh, the theme of what we've been talking about with the gameplay mechanics here, right? It's um it takes your ability to maneuver. And basically, if you had a couple of seconds before to kind of think a maneuver this gives you probably oh boy i don't know what the hitbox is necessarily it's off the top of my head but that thing came at you fast and it reached far so you really had to make a split second reaction uh when it was coming at you i i agree completely i also want to throw one very silly fact out considering i don't think we're going to be talking about eradicator that much more here um there's something in my very silly brain that made me laugh that in eradicators level you're playing at night yes And he is the only character who is wearing sunglasses. And to me, it was just like, "Boy, what a tool wearing his sunglasses at (laughs) me." Nobody has any respect and love for the Eradicator, so that that tickled me a little bit.
0: It says, "Look, man, it's his thing.
1: It is his thing. It is his thing." It just was funny that that's like the nighttime level that we see, and he has his sunglasses on. It made me laugh.
0: I hear you, and you know when we're when he's in Co City. Uh, you know i mentioned the the warbot with the retractable claws so tick from the Underworlder level is reimagined here as razorback but not really reimagined basically the same right basically as the a, a skin
1: yeah they they reskinned them
0: and you know this brings up something that we hadn't really talked about yet the vehicles mm-hmm. right so there are numerous instances in almost every level where one of the bad guys will be in a vehicle whether it's you know molotov or chainsaw on the on the motorcycle or you know, tick, or now Razorback and the little hovercraft, and I actually like those were kind of fun because again, you would do your jump attack or, or flying and then kind of land, and you you know you can knock them off, and then you could pick up the vehicle and throw it. Like it, I actually kind of like that.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was fun. It gave some nice nice diversity and also add like a sense of gravitas in the middle of the levels too, which is a uh, which is always fun.
0: Yeah. So at the end of level five. And again, like that's what's so cool about this—you're playing as as each of the supermen, mm-hmm. and then they're also the bosses, right? So you play as Eradicator, you fight Steel. They part on okay terms at the end of level five. You fight Cyborg, and yep. you know you beat Cyborg, but then you lose, just as Cyborg does in the comics.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And that's it does such a good job of the conflict, because right, because instead of showing you just like showing you that they're. In direct opposition to each other the fact that you have to play each other and the fact that like you have to play also like not on the, the the just or moral end like when you have to fight steel for example i think goes a long way of kind of putting you in that uncomfortable place with what's happening which i think was a really cool design choice and storytelling choice
0: totally so so that brings us to the end of level five we're halfway through the game uh, and now we get our level as Superboy, right? In the Metropolis Kid. This Metropolis
1: a long- Kid. I love that. This was, such,
0: this was such a long level that at a certain point I thought I, I was on to level uh, <laughs> I thought I was on to level eight. No, I've lost track of my numbers here. Six. Yeah, you start as superboy in level six.
1: Six, right.
0: Yes, okay. And then there was a certain point where I was like, okay, we're on to level seven, but it was still level six. There were a few different components to it.
1: There's definitely uh, some (laughs) discrepancies in level length. Like there are definitely some levels that just seem outrageously longer than the others. Yeah, I'm in full agreement there.
0: But yeah, you start off on the streets of Metropolis. And, you know, we talked about the, you know, the agility of the character and the, I guess, you know, Superboy Special Attack really is that tactile telekinesis that you see in the comics.
1: Which is super cool. Again, talk about like... uh, Source knowledge and like love and reference for a character, like they could have just had him like you know punch somebody really hard, but they went and they actually used that uh, tactile telekinesis, which I thought is another point in the these folks knew what they were doing and cared about what they were doing category,
0: right. So, uh, so we get a, a pretty long level as Superboy, and then in between scenes, the return of Superman, right in the black suit. But then, to your earlier point, level seven, you play as Steel. It's not like Superman. I, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not like yeah. you play as Superman. Like Superman comes back, and then you play as him instantly. It's you're you're Steel for an episode called uh, Steel Rain where Steel goes to, uh, to to Engine City. So, you know, we're getting deeper into the reign of the Superman storyline now. The, the note that I made here was there's no boss at, at this level. It's just very long and difficult. You're like...
1: <laughs> I thought going. at one point there might have been like an emulation error or an error because, again, that goes to kind of what we were saying before about how challenging the norms, how cool it would have been if Doomsday kept coming back. Like, we're so trained to... We get through these levels, we get a boss, we're out of there, but not the case this time around. And I don't know why. I'd be curious to know uh, why necessarily, because I don't think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that serves a particular narrative purpose that I can find off the top of my head, right?
0: No, not really. I mean, yeah, Steel has a more critical part to play in a couple of levels, right? Mm-hmm. When he's in the engine room. But yeah, this, not not really-
1: Yeah, which is interesting, which is funny because that's overall like my favorite moment of the game when you get to play as him uh, after that. But yeah, leading up to it, it, it's a strange choice. The level is long and there's no actual uh, boss in it. So
0: I don't know. Who knows? Well, you know what? Look, it keeps you on your toes, right? It definitely varies the formula. So I'll give them that. That's true. That's true. And, And then, so in level eight, you play as Superboy again for the final time. He's escaped from the Eradicators or from the Cyborg's clutches. Right. And he's trying to stop this missile that's headed from Metropolis. Cyborg is trying to do to Metropolis what he did to Coast City. And so the entire level here, again, there's no boss. You're just fighting. You're fighting the missile (laughs) as these other objects are coming at you. This was different. Like this was, again, my perspective is skewed. Absent infinite lives, I might not have enjoyed it as much, but it was fun. I I kind of appreciated the, the little change of pace with this.
1: And I'll tell you why I I appreciated this more so than um, our kind of us scratching our heads without having a boss in the steel level, right? So with this, I'm okay with there not being like a, a traditional boss in the sense and having to fight the missile because we've already seen intimately what happened to Coast City, and there's such a panic and dread that you're like, we cannot let this happen again. We cannot let this happen to Metropolis and I think that enough at least for me from a narrative standpoint is enough for me to be like all right metropolis kid you got to now now is your time to shine to be a hero you got to you got to stop this missile at all costs so that gravitas i think still rung true for me
0: it, totally yeah now metropolis kid man he he delivered and then we get to the penultimate level and What's this called? The engine's core. This is probably my least favorite level. I did not like this one. This is where you play a steel. You're in the engine room, uh, in in what remains of Co City. And I, I don't know. How would you describe this level?
1: Um, coming off of fighting a missile about to destroy Metropolis. We're always taught in storytelling, right? You want to escalate, 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 and then on, right? At the end, right? Then you're going to come down. I felt like we needed to keep escalating after that, oh my goodness, this missile is going to destroy millions of people's lives. It's going to destroy the city. Look at this. We just saw skeletons laying around in Coast City. We cannot let this happen again. And then just to go to Steel battling through, and I, I love Steel and it's funny. And I, it sounds like I'm at such a juxtaposition because his moment of, first playing as him is my favorite moment, but I feel like it's just, it's a bit of a letdown when I wish that we could have done something more to keep just escalating and bringing the story up from there. And I think maybe that's one of my, at least from a narrative standpoint, I think one of the the problems I felt a little bit deflated coming off of the last level to this one.
0: I think that's fair. Yeah. I don't know how well it tracks given, given the progression, like you're saying that you would expect, I guess just, from a playability angle, I, it just kind of frustrated me. There's all this electricity, like these, uh, you know, uh, electrical beams that you have to sort of, you know, time correctly to get through.
1: Yeah, that's always cheap. And to me, That that's a little bit cheap in games. It's frustrating. It's one thing if you're going toe to toe with an enemy, but like in environmental hazards that are put to merely like impede the player uh, never were my favorite put it that way there there's just such a wide window for frustration there i think because it's not like oh man that enemy killed me i gotta try harder it's oh no like this awesome superhero jumped and got his head shocked by this electric beam and now he's dead so it's it's just it doesn't always work for me in that sense
0: yeah no i, I i'm with you it was it was not my favorite and absent cheat codes i think i i would have I, I don't know. I never would have gotten that far in the game to begin with, but I feel like that level in particular.
1: Have you ever heard of, uh, I feel like I ended up talking about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a lot uh, this this episode. Because a lot of their games are most similar to this, which is kind of cool. one of the similar time period. Um, and there's an NES, somebody out there, again, please hit us up if you remember this level. In the NES Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, there is a level that is infamous, Anthony, infamous you could bring this up if you meet somebody who's like really into video games and nes ask them about an nes teenage mutant ninja turtles the underwater level i believe it was right before the dam it is such a notoriously hard and difficult level and for the same reasons you just described because of the environmental hazards and you're underwater and you keep getting shocked you keep getting hit and i so similar how many people we'd love to meet somebody who beat that game if you found somebody who beat Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and NES and got through that water level, you deserve a medal, a handshake, a parade, whatever we can give you. So there definitely is like a theme, I think, to a certain point of uh, just these these environmental hazards being so frustrating. So I, I definitely think you hit the nail on the head there.
0: Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then we have our final level here, level 10, the return of Superman. We touched on it before. It begins with the Eradicator restoring Superman. He's he's back to life, back to full power, back to his costume. He's good.
1: did good in the end, the Eradicator.
0: You know, making his way through Engine City. It's, you know, Warworlder after Warworlder. It's relentless. I, I, I mean, it. It's I, this was tough. This was where, especially on my second playthrough, I was using those special attacks left and right because they just kept coming. And then ultimately you have your final showdown with cyborg Superman. And that's the end of the game.
1: Yeah. And that that's, that's all she wrote. I mean, yeah, the last levels usually are the toughest as a ultimate skill check of everything you've learned, right? The ultimate culmination of everything that's, that's come before, but it's, um, it's a great journey.
0: Are there, it's a great slide. Are there any any Easter eggs, any special moves, like anything that you came across in your playing or your reading that I haven't mentioned that I maybe I wouldn't have even known about that 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 you came across?
1: I can't, I everything that that came to me and that I noted, I've talked about already. And really it just comes down to the overall faithfulness. And I think the narrative choices. I so again, I've said this already, kind of at the top of the show. I went into this. Immediately was like, I'm going to be impressed with how the graphics look and how the music held up. But that's pretty much, I think, what I'm going to take away from this. And I was blown away with how faithful and how much reverence it was. Again, the details with the, the finisher moves of our less than moral uh, Superman, right, uh, that I think is such an indication. And uh, even the little cutscenes, like we talked about, too, as limited as they were, as they were really were enough, to kind of show that like they understood the source material. And I guess what it comes down to is they didn't just prove to us that they understood the source material, but they wanted other people to understand it too, because they went a long way of, of being able to really get and grasp what's happening, at least in a broader stroke in the story by playing this game.
0: Well said. And and that's, you know, as you're saying that I'm, I'm thinking about it. I mean, you, could have done a version of this game where you don't have those cutscenes. I mean, yeah, it, it could absolutely. just be you fight the Underworlders, you fight Doomsday. Maybe you have a little bit of something after after Superman falls. And oh yeah, then, you know you can play as each of the four characters, and there doesn't necessarily need to be a narrative. You could just be the Eradicator busting heads on the street. You could be, you know, Cyborg going through cat. You know, they 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 could have stripped a lot of it away. But I appreciate that, that they did. And now, now look, I mean, you know, if, if you go to look at this, it's again, it's relatively simple, but it's, it's, it's enough
1: there. It's so effective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I, I really did appreciate that. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's like any, any gripes that I might have, anything that is on my wish list that didn't make it in. It's, you know, it's only because I, I already like the game so much and there's like a couple of things that it's like, ah, oh, we, you know, we could have gotten even further, but yeah. Uh-huh. This leads, I guess, to the question that I, I mentioned at the beginning that I said we would end with. And, you, you know, when you were on the show previously, we talked about the notorious, you know, Superman 64 game that has gone down in, in infamy for, for being such a terrible game. But, you
1: no know, have a, I have a Nintendo 64 in storage, right? I'm just going to say that. I'll leave that there. You can take that any way you want it.
0: Well, listen, there. audience, if you like hearing us talk about Superman video games, you would want to hear us talk about. <laughs> super 64 like let us know i'm i'm I, you know I, i'm game no pun
1: intended we might we might, need, we might need to be uh extra buttered up to put us through that crucible <laughs> but for yeah. you for you good folks we'll do
0: it i need some encouragement but you know in, in your estimation for all the games that you've played that you've read about that you've written about especially when it comes to superman do, do you think this is the best of the superman video games
1: yes i do And I think the answer, the the follow-up question is, is that because this game is great? Uh, And is it, or is it because um, there just aren't that many and that many good Superman games? That's yes and yes again. Uh, All of that, in my estimation, happens to be true. We already kind of uh, poked fun at the notoriously, tragically underdeveloped and mechanically just broken uh, Superman 64 we talked about. Now, there are plenty of other games where Superman appears in. I'm actually glad. I was wondering when I was going to get to bring this up. This is the perfect time to do this. But just not too long ago, a few short months ago at this point, there a game was launched by Warner Brothers called Multiverses, right? It's kind of their version of Smash Brothers. It's a platform fighter. Heavily leaning into DC amongst very various other characters from other franchises. The point and relevance here being is that um, Superman is one of the very first characters in that game. So if you're looking for a game that uh, came out this year and you want to play as Superman, you could do a lot worse. Now that doesn't uh, count necessarily, right? Cause it's not a Superman game. It's not about, uh, about him, but I just thought it was interesting, right? That we were going to have this conversation. Um, And what's really, really cool is, and I'm actually just double checking right now to make sure I'm right, but it is, it's actually George Newbert. Who they got to do the Superman voice, which I actually thought was really cool because they could have gotten anybody. I thought it was pretty cool that at least they got George Newborn to uh, to do that and chime in, uh, in with that as well. So there's a lot of faithfulness and it's just a cool little side note. I'm not saying you should drop what you're doing. It's free to play. It'll cost you nothing to play if you can download it. But if you want to play around as Superman in a modern uh, experience too, just fighting other characters, sure. That being said, that's not a Superman game. We already touched on Arkham Asylum and uh, the Batman games, right? When we talk about superhero video games, uh, just in general, in my estimation, the very best ones Are And I think people would be hard-pressed to disagree with me. Please let me know otherwise. But the Arkham games developed by Rocksteady that you just talked about. My personal favorite is Arkham Asylum because it's that claustrophobic kind of feel, which I think is very, very frightening. You get that kind of gothic horror with Batman in there, too. That's awesome. Uh, The Spider-Man, Insomniac Spider-Man games, which are just absolutely wonderful. Anthony, as a Spider-Man fan, at some point, we have to, have to, have to. There must plays for you their stories i'm not going to say they're the best spider-man stories ever because that's ridiculous they are on par with at least the better half of a bunch of the media and probably even the top 25 percent of the media of spider-man that's been out there the stories and acting are just gripping and there's actually been so um the first spider-man game and there's been a miles morales game there's another one coming out now that has both of them the storytelling the acting is beautiful Everyone should play them. They're wonderfully written with love, reverence to the source material and care. I would love to see your reaction to playing them. I found myself moved to almost tears at some point playing them. The story was actually so powerful. Uh, They're fantastic. I also love the Guardians of the Galaxy game. That was a huge surprise. I'm going to say something. It's an incredibly incredible take that I'm sure people will argue with me for, but it's fine. Play the game and talk to me. I'm almost willing to say that that's my favorite version of the Guardians of the Galaxy in that video game. They actually won a bunch of BAFTA awards for the voice acting and storytelling in that game. They're phenomenal. Where am I going other than talking about comic book video games I like? I'll tell you, this is all coming home. For years and years and years, the people who made the Arkham City games, the Arkham games for Batman, Rocksteady Studios, have been rumored to be working on a Superman game. And everybody has been so excited you know there are some people of course who do what they always say well how could you make superman interesting how could you it's the same argument we see in comics and video games that that old trope that hopefully they'll be exhausted by soon enough we still haven't seen that unfortunately their new game that's coming out is a suicide squad game superman is in it interestingly enough but as a starro controlled villain as they have to fight the villains in the justice league so yeah I'll play it we'll have some fun but still not what we want. What we want is a steady developed Superman game using the mechanics and world in the Batman games. Because other than that, we this was great and it was such a gem and a surprise. We have not yet had the truly great Superman game. It is. A, I hope that's not a never. I'm choosing to believe that's ahead of us. We're not there yet. So I don't think that game exists yet is my answer to you.
0: No, thank you for laying all of that out. I mean, as as you're talking about it, and I won't derail us, but I I can't help but think of the state of DC films, right? And the fact that, you know, we yep. have not had a solo Superman movie on the big screen since 2013.
1: Yep, almost a decade now.
0: A decade. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It crazy. And there's so much more to say about the state of DC movies, but... You know, just this idea that this is this iconic, marquee character with so much potential to appeal to to an audience, and just not being exploited on the big screen on 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 video game consoles. So, even as someone who's not a gamer, but as someone who loves the character and someone who would really appreciate a Superman video game, yeah, I hope that we get to see something like that. In the meantime. We do have this and uh, it's, it's not nothing. And, and at least we, at least we have this.
1: And and, and, uh, if I could sum it up, this game is an overachiever. It's an overachiever it it blew away my expectations and it should be uh, allegedly accessible uh, ish beyond by completely legal means to be able to play and experience and enjoy. And you're right, you know, cause we always do try to bring it home uh, even with, you know, sad events or the nitpicking that we we sometimes do. We always, and one of the things I love the most about you and this podcast is just, we always bring it back to the positive and the positivity and the hope, right? How fitting for a Superman podcast. And we are thankful that we have this game and it makes me hopeful for when we really get the game that we've been waiting for.
0: Amen, my friend. Well, listen, like I said before, this was, I mean, it was a gift really to be able to travel back in time and play this game and to have this conversation. I mean, that's the thing. Like I said, I I think back to that summer upstate when, you know, when I played it for the first time and then, you know, the the times to follow when, you know, when I had it for for myself and, you know, couldn't beat it, couldn't get too far in the game, but it was something that, you know, I, I still remember to this day. So to be able to see the game all the way through and to have a conversation like this, It really means so much to me. So thank you very much. Thank you to the audience for tuning in. I always appreciate it. And I especially appreciate it uh, for an episode like this, where we're talking about a video game, which is different than what we typically talk about. And I hope that you stuck with us for it. And I hope you enjoyed it. Jeremy, thank you again. And I look forward to the next time that you and I can do this.
1: Uh, it's, it's a pleasure, my friend. It always is a pleasure. And today, especially you really put uh, chocolate with my peanut butter by combining two of my loves like this. So thank you so much. I've had such a wonderful time and I look forward to talking to our audience more
0: about all this. Right on. Thank you all. We will be back next week for the next installment of Death Till Wedding. And until then it's about what you do. It's about action. Support the show and receive exclusive additional content, including my DC movie rewatch podcast, at patreon.com slash anthony desiato. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show. Also, be sure to explore the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which is home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, all hosted by yours truly. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more. Thank you all.